0: I have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age now as a church we are reasonably familiar with the great commission and these verses are five components within them that speaks to the body of christ at large about our mandate the first is authority the fact that we've been given authority by jesus to do something he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. So we've been given the authority or the right to go and do something. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Second component is that we are to go. That is, we are to reach out to our world. Our world being our context that God has placed us or sent us to impact. Go, and the third component, make disciples. That is discipleship. We have been given a mandate to make disciples or discipline followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. First component is authority. We have the authority to do whatever we're going to do. Secondly is um, evangelism. We have the mandate to go and to share the gospel. The third component, in order to make disciples disciples. The fourth component, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is baptism. Now, this is very important. It speaks of the need for those who have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus to be within the context of a church whereby they can begin to grow in their faith. And the last component there is partnership. He says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, we are to go in partnership with Our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not to go on our own. We are to go in partnership with our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 20 verse 21. Our Lord meets the disciples. And it's very interesting when you read the narrative in John 20. That our Lord Jesus after his resurrection. Even though it was the 12. The scripture refers to them as his disciples. And there is a reason. He refers to them as his disciples. Because the mandate he's going to give to them. Is not because they are apostles, but because they are disciples. Say disciples. He says, "As the Father, in fact, I say peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you." So I want to point out two things out of Matthew and out of this verse, and that is there is a mandate on disciples, not pastors, not apostles, not prophets, not teachers, but on disciples. To go and make disciples. And so, if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, then this mandate is upon our lives. Now, beloved, I'm going to say something that will shock you. I am totally convinced that the reason why you are on earth is because of discipleship. I'm totally convinced. It's because of the mandate on your life to be an ardent pursuer of our Lord Jesus to be his disciple. And if you are his disciple, then eventually you will disciple others. Because he said, follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. As I've been praying and waiting on the Lord, one of the things that I am believing God for, out of this small conference here, that 50 churches will be birthed as a direct result of this small conference here that 10,000 people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus as a result of this conference here. Somehow, somebody will get a mandate on their life and they'll say, you know what? I am going to make a difference. I am going to go and I'm going to make a difference. And who knows, that somebody might be you. I said, that somebody might be you. We're talking about the purpose of supernatural anointing. Now, how did the Father send our Lord Jesus? He says, as the Father sent me, I also send you. How many of you believe that you've been sent by God? How many of you believe you've been sent? All right, you've been sent. You believe that, yeah? You believe you've been sent. How have you been sent? How has he sent you? Well, as a disciple, he says, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. So how did the Father send our Lord Jesus? You see this in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Oh, sorry. Actually, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Isaiah says, Lord God. This one, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is how the Father sent our Lord Jesus. So that mandate on our Lord is the same mandate on you and I. And just for measure, in Mark chapter 16, from verse 15 to verse 20, in Mark chapter 15, uh, from verse 15, our Lord says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. So just for measure, to underscore the point, he says, certain supernatural signs will follow those who believe. Beloved, there is something wrong with our gospel when we're not seeing signs following believers. As I've been waiting on the Lord, I have some very clear mandates from the Holy Spirit about how we as a family of believers are supposed to operate. How we as pastors and elders and ministers are supposed to feed the flock and how we as a body of believers are supposed to operate. And the old system is gone. Can you say amen? Amen. The old way of where we have a church setting where it's focused on our needs being met is gone. Those days are the kindergarten days. They're over. Those days will never come back in Jesus' name. He said, I'm telling you the truth. Because let me tell you what that has produced. It has produced believers who can sin without a conscience. It has produced believers who have no power, who do not know how to deal with the enemy. It has produced believers who are constantly oppressed by demons instead of oppressing demons. It has produced believers who are not in communion with the Holy Spirit as a lifestyle. After two, three years in the faith, there should be a significant difference about us. I am not talking about, I'm not talking about perfection where you have no problems. But there should be a significant difference about how we're living our lives. I'm talking about the purpose of supernatural anointing. We're going somewhere. I'm laying the foundation. So, certain signs are to follow believers. He says, in my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Five supernatural signs. Now, in verse 20, the scripture says this. And they, these are disciples. Say disciples. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word Through the accompanying signs. Now that is the issue. When was the last time you went somewhere to preach the word? I'm serious. When was the last time you as an individual decided, I am going preaching. I am going to preach somewhere. And as I preach, I expect God to confirm the word. Say to your neighbors, time to preach. Yeah, come and tell somebody it's time to preach. We're talking about the purpose of supernatural anointing. There is something wrong with our churches. I'm telling you, when we get excited when some one person comes and they're doing signs and wonders and we all get really excited. Ooh, the prophet is coming. Ooh, the apostle is coming. There's something wrong with that. It's seriously, it's something wrong. When our children have no idea of the reality of the power of God that should be flowing through our lives, there is something seriously wrong. When our lives does not prove to our children the authenticity of this message, there's something wrong. But that's for me and my house. I said, that's for me and my house. It's not going to be so. It's not going to be so. We have to have a different paradigm. Like Kwame was saying, sorry, Pastor John was saying. (laughs) Like Pastor John was saying. We are living in serious times. You know, it's going to get worse as far as the world is concerned. You know, the world has no hope. I'm telling you this now. The world has no hope. You look, If you follow current affairs, you see things are getting worse. And there is a reason. Because we, the church are not being salt. We are not being salt. I was listening to one preacher and he said this, it's on our watch that they've legalized homosexuality. It's on our watch. Whilst we were pastors, they legalized it. Brother, we, there is something wrong with our message. There's something wrong with what we're doing in church. When we are now afraid to say this is a sin, that is wrong. In case the church gets offended. Not even the world, the church. Something wrong. Now, we're talking about the purpose of supernatural anointing. I'm getting somewhere. So, you see that even as a disciple, when you preach as a result of you preaching the gospel, your converts, not you, your converts will have supernatural signs following them. When was the last time your convert had supernatural signs following them? Your convert, you yourself, where are your signs? <laughs> there is something wrong with our message. There is something wrong with our message. He said, these signs shall follow those who believe. One, they will cast out demons. One of my first encounters with casting out demons was actually in church. I was in church, and the elders of the church were facing a demon, and they could not cast it out. And me, I was having my own personal struggles, minding my own business, and they called me. To come and cast out this demon. This was one of my first encounters. I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't a minister. I wasn't an elder. I'm not even sure I was a cell leader. But we cast it out. It took us all night, but we cast it out. Because <clears throat> we didn't know what we were doing. That was my first experience. How many of you have cast out demons before? Can I see? This is a shame to ask our ministry. I want you to raise your hand. Let me see. Yeah, this is a shame to our ministry, Pastor John. Sorry, Philip. We haven't been doing our job. Look at the hands. Let me see the hands. It's not a lot. How many of you believe in Jesus? Can I see? Yeah, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. We are here because we have to correct this error. Amen. We have to correct this error. There's something wrong. When I talk about supernatural anointing, what do I mean? Simply, I'll define it for you so that we're clear. At least I'll follow my notes here. It is the application of the power of God in a given context to have an effect that goes beyond the established laws of nature. God's power affects a situation whereby the natural course of nature has turned. How things should normally go has changed. This gospel message is supernatural. To live the Christian life properly is supernatural. To say no to sin and to the fallen nature is supernatural. This is one of the reasons why we have the problems we have. Because people have not accessed the supernatural. You can't live a holy life just by your willpower. It's not possible. It's not possible. But when the power of God is coursing through your veins, you will know how to live and overcome. Over time, you will learn how to live and overcome. And how you yourself, your nature will change as you keep pursuing God and his will for your life. So in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, this is what our Lord says. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth, utmost parts of the earth. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says you will receive power. Now, that word power in the Greek is dunamis. And that word dunamis literally talks about miraculous power. But more than that, it's talking about. Miraculous power that is inherent to wherever, whoever has that power. It's power that is inherent to whoever has it. So if you receive the Holy Spirit, then whatever power he has is released through him. So when he says you shall receive power, you receive miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That miraculous power is, by the way, it's not limited to a church setting. It speaks of miraculous power to do with resource, whether it's people resource, finance, healings, uh, signs and wonders, whether it's army, whatever context the power of God is needed, is what it's referring to. Any context. But the purpose of that power is that you be witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And again, this is the reason why we're not seeing the power. Because many people, their mindset about the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, is in order for them to get a personal breakthrough. It's in order for their lives to get better. It's so that they're free from addiction. It's so that they're no longer depressed or oppressed. It's so that they can, they can be happy. They can get, they can get a wife. They can get a better job. And because of that, and which is actually a perversion, it's actually a perversion of the gospel. So because of that, what happens is, when people are looking for the power of God, it's with the wrong lens. The purpose of the power is so that you demonstrate Jesus as a witness of his. That word witness is as a martyr. Somebody who has died and is willing to die. For the stand and identify, identification with Jesus. That's what, You shall be witnesses of me. Both in Jerusalem. Say Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Samaria. Samaria. Okay, you don't need to repeat that. <laughs> Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the atmosphere of the earth. Four arenas or four, four realms or four um, places where we are to be effective witnesses. Our Jerusalem speaks of our immediate vicinity. It may include our families, friends, etc. Then Judea speaks of uh, surroundings that are unfamiliar to us. It may be strangers that we meet. Um, sorry, sorry, yeah, Judea. That's like strangers that we meet, people that we're not so familiar with. Then Samaria speaks of the next phase where it deals with um, people that we don't really associate with. The Samaritans had nothing to do with the Jews. Then, uttermost passed of, the earth, In other words, anywhere we go. Beloved, what impact have you made in your Jerusalem? I really want to provoke you to be a different kind of Christian. Because for me, my goal is this. You'll be so determined to be like Jesus and pursue Jesus that you are willing to do whatever it takes. That's my goal. In this conference, my goal is that we will leave here with a fire and a zeal to pursue Jesus. Beloved, if you pursue Jesus, I tell you, he will make demands on your life that will be uncomfortable for you, that will make you stand out, but in the end, you will see his power through your life. For some of you, when you leave here, you will know what you're supposed to do, and you get on with it. You know, I'm going to digress a little bit. How many of you have heard of um, John Wesley? You ever, yeah, John Wesley. By the way, I know what Pastor John said, and I agree with him. When the, the time comes for you to go and, um, to your bedroom with your little ones, you can go, you are released. Those of you who don't have any little ones, stay here. till we finish. you paid good money to be here or got good, uh, what is it, trust fund help. Whatever, it's all money. Whether it's from the trust fund or your pockets, money. So we're going to make good use of it. You can guide me with the time, but you cannot rule me with the time. <clears throat> That's why I have the evening sessions. <laughs> so, your Samaria, sorry, your Jerusalem, you are to impact. For me, my Jerusalem was my family and my immediate friends. And as a new believer, I sought to impact them. It took me 12 years to totally win all my Jerusalem. There was only one, the Lord said, leave that one. Only one. The rest of them, all of them, they had to be impacted. 12 years. There was no way a family member can go to hell because I'm on the earth. And I told the Lord, how can they go to hell and I go to heaven? It's impossible. It cannot happen. Some of you, you you you've decided that it's in God's hands if your family gets saved. It's a lie of the devil. It's in our hands. God has done his bit and you are to do your bit. I'm telling you. You better learn how to prevail and pursue God in prayer for your family. Because the devil wants to kill your family. The devil wants to destroy your family. We have put embargoes on our children's lives. We have decided way before they were conceived who they will marry. And who they will not marry. How they will live. We have decided it. We told God, nobody can come through these loins. And go to hell. It's impossible. Even the generation coming. It's not possible. No seed of mine is going to hell. It's not possible. In Jesus' name. So we used to ask the Lord, you have to save my dad. You have to save my dad. 12, 10 years, my dad. 11 and a bit, my mom. 12 years, my other siblings. I'm just saying this, that you must target your Jerusalem. But it takes the power of God. And the reason why God gives us power is for us to be witnesses of him in our given context. Quickly, there's a lot I have to say and there's not a lot of time. How many of you want to operate in the supernatural? You really want the supernatural? The power of God in your life? Listen. Whether you want it or not, you're going to need it. Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. (laughs) Ephesians 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The warfare that we are in, you need the power of God. The enemy is determined to frustrate you. I'm telling you. The business that God has given to you is not for money, it's for the kingdom. It's for the kingdom, it's for the purpose of discipleship. Even the person you marry, is not just for marriage, it's for the kingdom. So that he can have holy seed through you. That's what he says. It's for the kingdom. And the reason why you're single is for the kingdom. What kingdom? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. (laughs) Ephesians 3.20. He says, Now unto him, now to him who is able to do, exceedingly abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Again, beloved, we quote these scriptures Like this, according to a power of worship, therefore, I need a brand new car. Let the power work. I need more money. Let the power work. Beloved, it's all within the context of the Great Commission. The Great Commission, listen, when Jesus said this, he said this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, right? That means all the right to exercise any kind of power has been given to him in heaven and earth. And on the basis of that, go and make disciples. So what he's saying is this. Every kind of power that exists, exists for the purpose of making disciples. Listen to me. If you discover this reality, your grace levels, whatever God has deposited in you, will begin to flourish your whole life will change. The things that you battle... Listen, I battled depression. I battled loneliness. I battled um, lust and things that were unclean. I battled these things. And the only way I became free from all of them was as I pursued this mandate. That was it. That is how I became free. I did not become free and then pursue That is such a lie of the enemy. It's as I pursued in my giving context, the things began to drop off over time. How many times did I fail? So many. So many. I would fail and I would fail and I would fail and I would fail. Some of my close friends, they knew my personal struggles, but they still believed in me. They they knew my struggles, they knew my personal struggles, and they believed in me because they saw the sincerity of my heart. And over time, they also saw the change. Don't wait till you are perfect before you pursue discipleship. Because you will never get there. (laughs) Are you listening to me? All right. God has a purpose for your life it is called making disciples. Whether you're a lawyer or a doctor, whether you are a homemaker or a farmer, whatever it is, within that context, you are to make disciples. Listen to me. Even if your whole life you make one disciple, it is a great achievement. Now, don't get it confused. There is a difference between Seeing so saved and making disciples. A disciple becomes what you're carrying. Or you deposit what you've got of Christ into them. Converts will come and go. We're not called to make converts. People get saved. They give their life to Christ. They'll be with you for a while and then they may move on. That's great. We are not against that. But disciples, that takes time. That takes time. And every one of you, oh, after five years, you should be able to say, that's my disciple. After seven, eight years, ten years, you should be able to say, these are my disciples. But we're all saying the same person is our disciple. (laughs) (laughs) The same person. And then you ask the person, who's your, who's disciple And they point, oh, that person, none of the ones that we're claiming. Preflo Dollar, he's my disciple. He's the one who disciples me. <laughs> supernatural anointing is given in this dispensation in order for the church to fulfill the great commission. Let me give you other reasons why we need supernatural anointing. Number one, to remove burdens and destroy yokes. Remove burdens and destroy yokes. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. It says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, the burden of the Assyrian, which is a type of demonic power or Satan, shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. This is a King James Version. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed. So the anointing in this context can be defined as The burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. The power of God that removes burdens, things that weigh people down, and destroys yokes, things that binds people. That is one of the reasons why we need supernatural anointing. Another reason is this. In order to do good, And heal all who are oppressed by the devil. There are so many oppressed by the devil. So many of the people we know, even in our church, are oppressed by the devil. And by the way, there is a difference in how you minister to believers who already have Christ. And how you minister to non-believers. I have seen uh, the power of God much more amongst non-believers in dramatic ways than amongst believers. Because you see, with believers, after a few months and weeks and years, God expects you to take care of yourself. No amount of oil you will pour on your head is going to make any difference. It's make you more greasy. <laughs> After a few years, you're in church and you're getting ministered to, you come to Pastor, uh, Pastor John or um, um, Bishop Les or uh, Prophet Steve and they lay hands and they come out, be gone! And, oh, these guys are powerful. Then one day you come to them, Pastor Les, be gone! And the thing is just... So the anointing seems to weigh in on him. So you go to the man of God, the teacher, Reverend Domprey. Be gone! And the thing is, say, ah, I know what it is. We need the prophetic unction. Be gone! It's still not going. These men of God, they've lost their anointing. No! They haven't lost their anointing. You now have to do something about it. But when it comes to outsiders, especially people you know. I remember once Zen was telling me a story how a non-Christian friend of him, he's had a headache and he said to him, do your headache thing. Remember, do your headache thing. Because he, he would do something like, I don't know what you did, flick your finger or I don't know, and the, the headache would go. So when they had, oh, just do your headache thing. Yeah, that's a good testimony. Did you win him to Christ? No, don't know. No, no, no. sorry. Acts 10:38 he says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I wish I had time to dwell on this. Being anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Every believer needs two anointings the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of power. Yeah. Those of you who've, read, who've proved my book, you know where we're going with this. It's very powerful. Isn't it? Yeah. Everyone needs these two anointings. So many times, at times, you find believers, they have an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Good enough. So it begins to lead them and guide them, but there's a lacking of power because the power has to be re- released through another process of denying your flesh through fasting and praying. And seeking God, is not earning the power, it's causing this to be able to handle the power. Because you have to be able to contain that power, otherwise it will destroy you. I remember many years ago, I asked the Holy Spirit, please let me know when when I'm doing the wrong thing. Please let me know when I'm doing the wrong thing. Please let me know when I'm doing the wrong thing. I tell you, no no disrespect intended, at times I regretted that prayer. Because sometimes you're talking to people and you can tell, they're not checking you at all but they're saying all the nice, right things. And the Spirit is telling you something, and you think, oh, my Lord, what have I done now? And it's months later, you find out what really was going on. It comes with a burden, a responsibility that at times is uncomfortable. How many of you want the power? Oh, you've changed your mind now. <laughs> it's like, <phwah. laughs> You need it. Thirdly, why do we need supernatural anointing? To preach the good news to the poor and demonstrate God's kingdom. The scripture we read in Isaiah, or sorry, Luke 4, also in Isaiah 61, talks about this. Preaching the gospel is simply sharing about Jesus and about his kingdom. And as you share about Jesus, listen to me. As you share about Jesus, you will meet people who are carrying what you're carrying, the things that you're carrying, the problem that you're carrying, and as she share about Jesus, they'll say, oh, I've got this problem. Don't start telling them, I've got it too. Shut your mouth. That's not what you do. You see, you say, you're not talking about Joseph. You're talking about Jesus. You both might begin with J, but that's, that's as far as it goes. So you say to that person, what's your problem? They say, look, you know what? Maybe you, you've got a problem with crack cocaine. Maybe you've got a problem with stealing or lying. say, I've got a problem with stealing or gambling. You say, okay, no problem. Jesus can do it. You, do you believe if I pray for you, they might say, "No, I don't, man. I don't believe if you pray for me, it's going to happen." So don't worry. I believe. Don't say according to your faith let it be. No, no, just say I believe, and you'll be surprised. I'm, I'll never forget this. Once somebody, in fact, it was Jerry. He brought this guy who had a problem with gambling. He was addicted to gambling, serious problem. He said, "He brought him to me, Joe. This guy has a problem. Can you help him?" You know, sometimes people bring things to you and you just think, you know, I mean, who do you think I am after all? What am I supposed to do with that? Gambling. Am I a counselor? Do I? I mean, come on. What am I going to do with that? I said, no problem. No problem. Bring him. So this guy came. So he shared a little bit of his gambling problem. I said, no problem. All I know is, number one, acknowledge Jesus. Number two, confess your sin. Number three, renounce the devil. Number four, come out, you devil. That's all I know. And that's what I did. Number one, confirm, acknowledge Jesus. Number two, um, renounce Satan. Number three, receive Christ. Number four. And I said, you spirit of gambling, come out. The thing uh, through him. I was like, whoa, this thing works. Wow. Wow. I was like, Wow! I was shocked. Yeah, I was. I thought you might go, <coughs> and, uh, I said, Come out. Gambling spirit, come out! The guy by the way, was nice English guy, just talking to me. Oh, yeah, you know, man, you are well. So, okay, now it's time to pray because you devil, come out! Whoa. Whoa. Whoa! Later on, I asked Jerry. Jerry said, the "Guy's free." He said, "The thing's gone." Gone. Amen. I was shocked myself. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> but I have found when we put ourselves in a context and we talk about jesus and then we let jesus demonstrate his power then we see the difference and that is why many christians end up with certain problems because they're so fixated on themselves and so as i ministered to people with certain problems my problems began to go i'll never forget this guy came to me for prayer this time i lived in a 16th floor flat and uh I'm sharing these testimonies because I'm going somewhere with all of this. I'm talking about the purpose of the power of God. And, uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, tell me when I've got 10 minutes left. And uh, in the next 25, 13 minutes. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, I'll pray for you. So as I, as I began to pray, for, I, I did this. Number one, acknowledge Jesus. Number two, confess this Number three, whatever. That's the devil, Yeah. <laughs> Because I read it in a book and I thought sounds good. Yeah, so number one, I Jesus, number two. When we reach renounce the devil. He said, oh, no. <laughs> it was just me and him. 16th floor, flat. <laughs> no, I'm going to throw you out of this window. I said, wow. You see, those things don't frighten me. I just thought, wow, it works right. I got you devil. I said shut up and come out. Oh, 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 oh. Come on. <laughs> I don't forget one Christian who used to give us a lot of headache. One day was locked in the room of a room with uh, another believer who began to manifest. This Christian who used to give us headache started to beg the devil. I said, "Ah, next time you give me headache, I'll call this demon." <laughs> <laughs> Preach the good news to the poor and demonstrate God's kingdom. That's why we need the anointing. Number four, in order for us to be taught all things that we need for God in his kingdom. Look at what he says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. 1 John 2, verse 27. He says, but the anointing, say the anointing. The anointing, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, we we don't have time to unpack all of it. He's not talking about you don't need teachers. What he's saying is this. The anointing that you have received teaches you or shows you everything that is consistent with the ways of Christ. So you don't need somebody to come and tell you something outside of that. Because that anointing teaches you all things. In other words, have you ever been to a place, maybe even it's happening now, where a person is speaking, and in your spirit you just feel, uh uh-uh, there's something wrong. But you know what we do? Well, it must be right because he's a pastor. Or it must be okay because he's so-and-so. And so we ignore what the anointing is telling us and we do what we're not supposed to do. So for instance, like we'll be taking up an offering tomorrow for the cost of this thing. Now let's suppose that I decide to go a bit weird and I say, those who will bring a thousand will get a thousand pound anointing. I bet you somebody will bring their money. But you feel, mm, there's something wrong with that. But you think, well, maybe it's okay. The anointing is telling you But you're not listening. In the same way, the anointing will tell you, pray fast. Yeah, you don't like that one. Mm. The anointing will tell you, no, it's time to sacrifice. The anointing will tell you, it's time for you to go this way, to do this thing for God. And then you make the calculation and you say, let's use wisdom. It's not time. So you don't listen to that anointing. I pray you will listen to the anointing in Jesus' name. Yeah. All right. Because of time, I want to wrap this up. Say to your neighbor, you need the anointing. Come on, say to your neighbor, you need the anointing. Say to somebody else, we need the anointing. Listen, we need the anointing of God in everyday situations. We need the anointing of God in our moments of crisis. We need the anointing of God... When we find we are out of our depth, we need the anointing of God when we feel under oppression. There is no man or woman of God who is worth their salt in God who doesn't go through hard times. Who doesn't feel absolutely useless from time to time when they're doing the work of God. Who does not feel like they are not worthy. There is no one like that. There is no one like that. I know you think I'm like I'm an exception. I am not. There is no one like that. Everybody who is doing anything worthwhile for God has to learn how to draw strength, supernatural strength. Amen. There is a need for us. Listen to me. I am pastoring three churches right now. I'm not talking about all of you. I'm talking as a local pastor. I'm pastoring Greenwich. I'm pastoring Victoria, and I'm pastoring Chiswell because of the anointing. People, I do it because of the anointing. I have, I am refreshed. I have, it's not, it's not even a headache. It's not even a, it's a as well as writing the books because of the anointing. As well as all the pastoral counseling I have to give people because of the anointing. The anointing will cause you to do things that people will say, be careful now, be careful now. The anointing will cause you to do above and beyond what natural people will expect from your life. Without the anointing, I am rubbish. My children will tell you, I'm a grump, I'm a moan. I should say, go and pray. Just go and pray. You're no good to us like this. Go and pray. Say to your neighbor, you need the anointing. So for whatever God is calling you to do, the purpose of that anointing is so that through you, the great commission of making disciples can begin to be evident. Who are you discipling? After 10 years in the Lord, what is the evidence? After 15 years in the Lord, what is the evidence? By the way, I'm talking to some of you who are now 17 and 18. All you've known is this ministry. So after you've been in this church for 18 years of your life. Where is your disciple? I'm not talking about 50-year-olds. I'm talking about to 17-year-olds. Yeah. How many of you are under 20? Raise your hands. Stand, 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 stand. Tomorrow, stand. Oh, stand to I'm going to talk to you. You're under 20. How many of you are between 13 and 20? Between 13 and 20, stand. Right. So I will let some of you off. Right. So now listen to me. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk to you. Look, at, look over here. You have the potential. To do better than your parents, when you plug in to Jesus and His anointing on your life, can take your seat. God wants us as a people to begin to believe Him above and beyond what we have been used to. If you can hear what the spirit is saying to you if you can hear it it will challenge you it will stretch you it will cause you to feel inadequate in yourself but when you say yes to what he is saying his supernatural power will come upon your natural ability and cause you to do the supernatural that's how it works there are several i mean i'm not talking two or three i mean several of you who by now you should be doing your vocation and pastoring a church yeah yeah you see you see how happy you are about that statement you might not believe me wait till you get there and you hear it you hear it from the lord but you think i mean you, you should be pastoring greenwich or pastoring life center. I'm not talking about I'm talking about people who don't even know Jesus. People who are much younger in the faith than you are. The people that I started pastoring were all new believers except for Pastor John. He was the only one who was mature as I was. The rest were all new converts. They were all young Christians. Pastor Philip, at the time when we started pastoring and he was an elder of our church, was in the Lord five years. Isn't it? Five. Five years. How many of you have been in the law for five years or more? Five years or more. So you qualify for eldership. (laughs) If you follow Philip's pattern. Now, since that time, Philip has pioneered in Sierra Leone. pioneered in um, Marlene and South Woodford. Has done many, many missions. Has seen many people minister to. Heal, delivered, counsel, all kinds. But when he started, there are people in this room who are far more mature than he was. The difference was he made himself available. I pray you make yourself available. The supernatural anointing is given to us so that in our giving context, we can show who Jesus is like, what Jesus is like, and we can bring about his kingdom in the lives of people. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to pray. The anointing makes the difference. Say, the anointing makes the difference. Say, I want to make a difference. Yeah. You will make a difference. I said, you will make a difference. In fact, before I pray, I want to say one or, more, one or two more things. Sorry, look up. Colossians chapter 1 verses 26 to 29. Paul says something. He said this. You see, the apostle Paul was able to make such a difference because of the anointing. Now, he was the least of the apostles. He wasn't being humble. It was a fact. He was the least of the apostles. But the anointing of the Holy Spirit made a I tell you, me? we are going to make a difference. I tell we are going to make a difference. I'm telling you. I tell you. I see it. I was saying to Aisha, what God, the Holy Spirit has been telling me, we are going to make a difference. I'm telling you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Because there are people in here that are ready for the Holy Spirit to do mighty things through them. Look at what he says. Colossians chapter 1, verse twenty. 6 to 29 says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to, this, to his saints. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now look, he says, To this end, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Huh. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. According to his working, which works in me mightily. Say, Lord, work through me mightily. Come on, say, Lord, work through me mightily. Come on, say, Lord, work through me mightily. I tell you, God's Holy Spirit can so anoint a person that is the least amongst the least and make them the pattern apostle for all generations. Anointing of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural power. Don't limit God to your ability. Uh-huh. Listen, for me, I tell you, all guns of all best off. I said I said to my wife, for me, this new phase, the prophetic word is your entering apostolic season. I have said yes. And it will cost me yes, it will cost us yes, but I have said yes. Because before I leave this earth, nah, we must see millions come into the faith because we walk the earth. Millions. Amen. I'm serious. Not hundreds, not thousands. Millions. I'm serious. I want to rescue the person. Look at what happened the other day in Bulgaria and Sweden. About 70 people died suffocating because they want a better quality of life. People just like you and me. Look what's happening in Syria. I mean, it's crazy things happening. And I've said, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever. I will go to Saudi. I will go. If I see myself in Saudi Arabia. I will go wherever. I will go. Where ISIS, I will go. If it's my last journey, I will go. I am not afraid. No, rephrase. I am afraid, but I'll still go. (laughs) I'll go. No, seriously, I will go. We're not afraid. We will go. To this end, Also, I labor Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you focus on Jesus, if you focus on Jesus, you're okay. 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 okay. Your school will be okay. Your ministry will be okay. Your life will be okay. Your family will be okay. If you focus on Jesus. If you try and compare yourself with themselves, they're not wise One more scripture and then I'll close. Romans chapter 15, talking about Paul the Apostle from verse 18. He says, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. Goodness me, what a statement. I'm not going to talk about what Christ is doing in others. I'm going to talk about what Christ is doing in me, through me. That's what I'm going to talk about. That's what I'm going to talk about. You know something, when we started CLF, I had, a, I had a battle in the spirit. I've been told this to I might have told Pastor John. And I saw a spirit. And in that vision, that spirit actually beat me. I was wrestling and it beat me. And I was not happy with that vision. But I understood what it meant. That I was not ready for certain levels of authority. And so I remember saying to myself, as I looked at our church in Greenwich, I remember saying, you know, I was saying this with, Philip and John the other day differently. I said, if I'm not careful, 20 years' time, we'll still be 200. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to start bearing fruit in other places until I come to the place where that mega church that God has pulled in my heart can come to fruition. I made this decision in the 90s. And that's when... As the Spirit led me, we began to plant in Ghana and all of that. Now, I never shared, I'm sorry, guys, I never shared a lot of these things because at times I wasn't bold enough. I wasn't confident enough. But I remember making that decision because I had in my heart, we must have 1,000 members, there there. So as the Holy Spirit, as this foundation process of 20 years has come to its end, and I look back and I made a head count beginning of this year, I realized, goodness me, actually, CLF, we are over 1,000 adults. And over 600 youth and children. Now, it's not a lot because we're laying foundations. But I realized that because I understood my level, I made good with my little strength to bear fruit where I could bear fruit. Now, we've laid foundation. You watch in the next 19 years what's going to happen in the next 19 years, many people in this room will be pastoring their own churches. Man. Yeah. Man. Some of their churches will be 10, 15. Some of it will be 50. Some of it will be 100. Some of it might be even more. But many here will be pastoring churches. Women, men, many here Man. will be, let me tell you what they'll be doing. There'll be missionaries in all kinds of places. Man. All kinds of places. We will have homecoming services or conferences. And those homecoming services will be only for congregation leaders and it will be bigger than this room here. I'm telling you. You watch and see what will happen. You watch and see what will happen. Already, already, this year in July, the little Holy Ghost anointing we have, we planted six churches. Six churches. Six. All by the Spirit's leading. It wasn't even planned. Hassan planted in Sierra Leone in June, July. I planted in July. Kenya was planted in July. None of it was coordinated by me. I wasn't strategic. This is why I can't take credit. It was the Holy Ghost. Well, you watch what's going to happen. I said, you watch what's going to happen. Pretty soon, people like Janet and Esther. You're just listening as I mention them. You should be mentioning your name will be go. they'll come and say, pa, she'll say, Papa, pa. I've started three here. Yeah. We have a lady in our church, in CLF, she's planted, I think, four churches. Of the 33 churches we have, she's planted four. Single woman, gives us headache. Sister Gladys. You go on a mission and Pastor Joe, I planted a church what you planted I planted at church. Okay. Yeah. May you bring us this kind of headache. Amen. I said, May you bring us this kind of headache Amen. and not Pastor Joe. Don't get upset with what I'm about to say. I, I'm pregnant again. And it's not my husband. That's a headache that we we will also have to deal with that. But we want better headaches than that. Pastor Joe, I've got 15 people in China. What do I do with them? That's a headache that I want. Not Pastor Joe, I've got a boyfriend in China. (laughs) (laughs) And you are a brother telling me that as well. Let me finish this verse. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. I share that testimony because I want you to understand what Christ is doing in our midst. In word and deed. Say word and deed. He will work through you in word and deed. I see some of you preaching powerfully and bringing thousands to Christ. Husband and wife, the newlyweds, as they go on their honeymoons and they come back, the money that they use for their honeymoon, they save again and this time they use it for mission. Mission. There's a paradigm shift coming. A lot of this wastage of money on holidays. You young people who can spend a thousand pounds on a holiday, young single person, thousand pounds, bam, holiday, wham, is changing into missions in Jesus' name. He says in verse 19, in mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Ah, I want this. That God will work through you and I in mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. You will stretch out your hands and demons, witches will be burning under the power of the Holy Ghost. You will. That's what will happen. You will stretch out your hand in Brazil. And witches will come under the power of the Holy Spirit, burning and screaming, ah, as the demons come out of them. You will. Yeah. Some of you, you're going to make such a difference when you leave this place. God already, some of you, has put nations on your heart. Don't postpone it to five years. Don't postpone it to ten years. Listen, the other day, I was 25. 25. Today, I am 50. 50. And I don't look 50. And I don't feel 50. But it's gone so quick. I said to the Lord, I'm so grateful. This is the message I'm focused on. Not how to get rich in five steps. How how to be a happy Christian. What foolishness. How how to enjoy life and be happy in Christ. How to make more and more money. If I want a bank lesson, I'll go to the bank. Not church. How, how, uh, what, what are the how-tos how these days? How to be how. How. how, how. <laughs> All right. He said, in mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God so that from jerusalem and round about to illyricum i have fully preached the gospel of christ may we come to this place fully from jerusalem all the way to illyricum we can say from greenwich all the way to canada to new york to zimbabwe all the way to Chennai, tokyo to Mombasa, Nairobi, up to Cairo, Dango, to Abidjan, to Port Lucco. <laughs> Somebody said Texas and America there, America. All these are poor countries. <laughs> Martin said to me, You said even Scotland, of all the places to find, you couldn't find anywhere but Pilton. Pilton Pilton is not a very affluent. Next to it is a West Granton or wherever. It looked a bit nicer. But no, the Lord said, as I was passing there, he said, No, I said, This looks like no, this is in the area. That was the area. <laughs> that in itself is a story. Yeah. He says, I fully preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named. Yay. Lest I should build on another man's foundation. Say, I want God to work mightily through me. I want God to use me. I want God to make disciples through me. Amen. I want us to bow our heads. We're going to pray.